Want to dive deep into life-giving experiences to unleash yourself from old patterns and tap into your intuition? I have the perfect thing for you. Join me and Optimal Health Coach Greg Spivak in Santa Barbara on October 21st for a one-day retreat of all things wellness. We'll spend the day getting revived through yoga, breathwork, cold plunging, powerful conversations, nutrient-dense food, and a plant medicine journey. If you just felt yourself get excited, you have to join us October 21st in Santa Barbara. You can sign up at powerofyourom.com forward slash workshops. That's powerofyourom.com forward slash workshops. Welcome to the Messy Progress Podcast, the show that will give you the courage and confidence to get messy, uncaged, and liberated so that you're living your most vibrant life. I'm your host, Adrian Smith, and I'm so stoked that you're here. Let's jump right in. All right. So this last week, I celebrated the 12-year anniversary of my yoga studio that I opened in Santa Barbara, Power of Your Own. We opened October 7th of 2011. I had a studio, well, had at that time another studio, and I kept that one while I moved to Santa Barbara. And I had opened that studio in 2008. So technically, I've been a business owner for 15 years, a little over 15 years. And I wanted to use this episode as a sharing some of my lessons about being in business for that long. I could go on and on and on, to be completely honest, about different things that I've learned. I could tell stories about every one of these situations. And instead, I'm going to just riff off of the the list that I made. So for 12 years, I have 12 lessons that I'm going to share with you. And even though you might not be an entrepreneur, you might not be starting your own business. We all work with people. We all, and I, and I say work with people as in, even if we don't work with people, we are around people. So we're working with them. If we consider our households also a business that's functioning, we constantly have to take things from an idea, plan them and execute them. So that is something that I learned from someone that I interviewed on the podcast a couple of years back, Eve Rodsky. She wrote a really great book called Fair Play. And um, taking the reason I say that is not everybody that's listening has their own business. Some of you are listening and you are taking care of your households. You have teams that you're running at your work. You just work with people. Maybe you work at a coffee shop and how you interact with people. Um, also makes a difference for your happiness in there. So here we go. Lesson number one, persistence is not nagging. If I could tell this to my younger self, I would spare myself years and years of agony. Here's what I want to say about that. Do you remember the last time that you forgot something? Maybe it was just this morning, like you forgot where you put your keys maybe you forgot or you remember something. Let's go back. Do you remember the last time you forgot something and also someone reminded you about it? So something as simple as, hey, do you, this happens to my my husband and I, hey, do you have a client this afternoon? And he'll be like, oh shoot. Yeah. And for me, I have this constant list in my head of all of the things in my household, whether I need to be responsible for them or not, is a whole nother story. But 
sometimes I will say that that is one of my superpowers is being able to remember where something is, where folders are, where books are, where my daughter's backpack is. Um, When someone, when you forgot something and someone reminded you, it's really important to check how you felt at that moment. The reason I bring this up is because depending on where we source our either confidence or lack of confidence from when someone reminds us of something that we might have forgotten, it can show up as um, a feeling of nagging. That's happened in my household a lot where I've done that. And as a result, then I get kind of backlash about it, which I don't think is very fair just because I have a good memory. But I know that my husband is coming from a place of someone consistently when he was a kid growing up, pointing a finger at him of the things that he didn't remember. So I bring that up in all of these ways, because if we are persistent about something that has to get done, that's, let's say, not something that we committed to, it's not nagging. We just want to get the thing done. So if you want to have a date night, and your husband isn't planning it, and I'm saying husband because us ladies are always wanting someone else to do the thing that we really want to do, then you have to keep reminding and asking. And or what I've learned even just recently is that if I want something done and it's not getting done, I can't complain and be a victim about it. And it doesn't mean that someone doesn't care. Oftentimes it does mean that they forgot. So lesson one, persistence is not nagging. Texting is the way of the present. So when it comes to sales and business, we all are on our phones all the time. I don't even know what the statistic is now for how many people are on their phones versus a laptop or computer. But back in the day, when we first started to have the opportunity to send texts to clients to remind them of appointments, of classes that they scheduled, or to ask them if they're coming to something or send a message... I would cringe at the idea of texting someone because I didn't want to invade their space. I didn't want to be, um, again, back to the first one, I didn't want to be nagging. I didn't want to be persistent. I didn't want to be salesy. And I never looked at it as this is a mode of communication and this is my most likely chance that I'm going to reach someone. Because most recently I have let's say three different email addresses. One that is my personal one that I check for all things. One that's more of my work one that people can reach me if they message me through the yoga studio. And then I have my Google one that is all of my junk mail. So when I sign up for promotions, I give them this Gmail email address. And thanks to Gmail, they put most things that are that are ads or even newsletters that go into a promotions folder. And so as a result of that, I've learned that I'm not going to reach people. If I really want them to attend something, I'm not going to reach them if I send them an email. That being said, it's always looking at the text as um, a form of communication. and And that's that. When it comes to emails, there's a lot of different things. There's a couple of things that I'm talking about here that um, people could argue about. And I don't, I'm not going to go into all the details about what someone's school of thought is, but this is something that's just worked for me. So I believe that we should use emails to tell stories, to share, and to relate. I still remember a comment from a customer that I had 
I was talking about um, when they signed up for my studio, we have them fill out their information. Can we have your name, your phone number, your email? And I say, I promise that we won't spam you with a whole bunch of emails. And his response really quickly was, I would love to be spammed by Yoga Studio. And I responded and said, really? And he goes, yeah, it's good vibes that are coming into my inbox versus a lot of other stuff. And ever since he said that, it's changed how I now approach emails. And so while I said texting is the way of the present, it is the way that it's going to be the probably easiest to engage in a two-way conversation. We still are opening our emails. And if, if you have a small or big email list, you own that. No one else owns it. So Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all of the social things, Twitter, whatever, at any moment in time, they could crash, which we've experienced. And everyone thought that was like the end of the world. I remember that day that that happened. They could crash and they can also be constantly changing their algorithm. So even though you have people that might be following you, they're not necessarily getting your messages. I have some of my dearest, dearest friends that I always open the things that they're posting. And yet I have to actually go into their profiles at times to see what they're up to because I just don't naturally get their posts. So if you want people to know what you're up to in business and your family, you know, I don't know if people still send those letters about things that are going on every year. I know I still get one from my mother-in-law every Christmas about the what's happening in the family with a Christmas card picture. But um, you know, an email is a great way to tell stories, to share and to relate with people and what's going on with you, your business, um, and with them. All right. So on that note, variables are always changing. Don't take attendance at anything personally. Back when I first opened my studio in 2008, Facebook wasn't even a thing. And I've seen recently that you go on Instagram, cause I don't go on Facebook very often. And most people uh, no, I shouldn't say most people, but I have these constant spo- constant sponsored ads for things like sign up for this course, guaranteed TED Talk, and guaranteed to sell out your retreats, um, all these things. And this is an absolute way that you're going to be able to get 100% attendance at your retreat. And when anyone says that, I call total bullshit. There's not one course that you're going to take I've taken so many courses. You do have to work the course and make sure you're putting in all of the pieces and parts to it, but there's not one course that's going to give you everything that you need to sell out your programs. One thing I've learned recently is you can write the book, you can have the TED Talk, you can have a baller list of clients, and you might still not have anyone show up to something that you've planned because you do have to market it. You have to keep reaching out and keep inviting people to the things that you are excited about. On a personal note, this summer, one of my girlfriends, I'm kind of like debunking all of my lessons, but I I reflect on all these things that I've seen work or not work and realize that with that, there's not an absolute. So this summer I got an invitation from one of my good friends for her daughter's birthday party. And it was an Evite invitation through email. Came into my inbox. I opened it. I looked at it. I didn't respond. And I didn't even really make a mental note of the date. And long story short, the date came, the date went, and I missed it. And then a couple weeks later, maybe I can't exactly remember the time frame, but she messaged me and she said, Hey, 
would have loved to have seen you at her daughter's birthday. I don't know if I sent you an invite. I can't remember the exact wording, but she followed up after the party. And I was like, oh, shoot, I totally missed that. But I only got one message about it. And I'm not saying it's someone's job to message me and ping me over and over and over again. But when we were getting a lot of invitations or there's a lot of things going on, we have a lot of things on our mind, different things on our plate, people's schedules, organizing things, I do need to be reminded. And so with that, don't take it personally if someone doesn't show up to your kid's birthday party. Don't take it personally if people don't come to your class, even though they're telling you how terrible their body feels. We're people that and our variables are always changing. Um, we're always changing. What we're interested in is always changing. My interests and lifestyles changed so much in the last 15 years. The way that my schedule look, used to look when I first opened my yoga studio when I was in Illinois was I would teach a 6 a.m. class. So I would get up, I would make toast with almond butter or peanut butter. I would eat it in the car. It was a very short drive. I would go to teach class. I didn't have anyone open for me. I would close the studio, walk right next door, and I would go swim at the YMCA. Then I would take a shower at the YMCA because it was literally in the parking lot. I would walk back to my studio. I would teach a class at either it was 9 or 9.30. And then I would go home. I would have a snack go do another workout because this is when I was first training for Ironman. And then I would take a nap and probably have another snack, lunch, all those things. I didn't really work too much on my business. I just worked in my business. And then I would go back in the evening and teach another class. And that's what my day would look like. I was showing up constantly. I was working out. I was around people that were coming to my studio. And so the marketing didn't need to be like the behind the scenes that it's turned into for me for now. But I'm saying that my lifestyle's changed because I'm not working out two, three times a day. I'm not teaching three classes of yoga a day. And so with that being said, we can't think that we're going to reach people where they used to be because we're always changing. Next point, hire slowly, fire quickly. Oh gosh, this is a lesson I learned way later in the game of running a business. At the beginning, I thought, this is kind of crazy because it's changed so much now. I thought everyone was doing me a favor when they worked for me. I didn't look at it as giving an opportunity to people to be a part of something I was building. I didn't look at it as an opportunity for giving people a job. As a result, I would keep people on far too long after they weren't holding either holding up their end of the commitment So for instance, one of the commitments we have at my studio is that you don't get a substitute for your classes for random things like a friend's dinner. So let's say you teach a class at six and your friend is having a dinner on Tuesday at six. Guess what? You are working. You can't go to that dinner. That's sort of the way that I look at it. And different from you are planning a vacation and your vacation happens to span Monday through Friday. You're going to miss Tuesday night's class. I totally get that. But for when we have a job, which for some reason, it seems as though in the fitness world, sometimes things aren't looked at as a job. If someone needs to get a substitute teacher to sub out the class that they said that they were committed to teaching weekly, like too frequently. So more than one time a month, Um, I ask the question, is this still working? And because I would take things personally and I have had a lot of relationships with my teachers and people that do our desk 
cleaning projects or karma yogis, I've hesitated on kind of cutting the cord. And at the end of the day, it's, it's a job. And so it's not personal. It's nobody's fault. It's just not fitting anymore or it's not fitting right now. And so, um, that is something that it took me so long to learn. And it also came from this sort of scarcity mentality that took me years and years to break. But what I've learned with that in a nutshell is that when something's not working on either side, if it's my side or the other person's, it's probably not working for the opposite either. So it's really good to just even generally have a conversation. All right, put things in writing, and I'm not talking about for legalities. The mental load of running a business, and remember, I'm saying business as in even a household, is endless. And if I don't write things down, I'll forget. Oftentimes, I'll be at my studio teaching a class, and then at the end of class, someone will say to me, hey, can you fix my account? I'm going to be going out of town, da, 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 da. And I used to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I got you. And then I would leave the studio and completely forget. And then they would send a message and say, hey, I talked to I talked to Adrian. Why didn't this get fixed? And I'm like, oh, my God, I totally forgot. So instead of that, now I tell them, I say, please send us a message. Send me an email. And then I admit my inability to remember. And I'll tell them. I'll say, I'm, I'm not going to remember this conversation when I get home. I just n- know how I operate. So the best thing to do is to send us an email. And our admin teams will make sure to fix it. One of the reasons why that also works is, and this is kind of another lesson, but is making sure that everybody's working in their own lane of traffic. So at that moment in time, I am the teacher and I'm handling people making sure that they're paying for classes and anything that they would need at the studio. At that moment in time, I'm not fixing people's accounts and I'm not playing the role of administration. And so I have to think for a second. Who is the person in my business that handles administration? Oh, wait, so good news. It's not me. So then it directs them to have agency to handle the thing and make sure that they get it sorted out. And then it completely lives over there with the person that's handing and handling administration. And it removes um, kind of like that game of telephone so that I don't have to talk to the admin, but rather that person does. And it just cleans things up a little bit easier. This one is really great. I learned this back in 2008 when I was at one of my first yoga trainings. And this might be a little outdated because not everyone makes flyers, but make the flyer and then figure out how you're going to execute it. So the example that was given to me was you want to have a workshop. Make the workshop. Take the picture that's representative of the people that you want to have to come to your workshop. List the, you know, typical marketing 101 things, where, when, why, how, what, location, date, time, what results they're going to get, and, you know, who's this workshop for? You figure that out, you make the flyer, you should do this at least 30 days in advance, in my opinion, and then you figure out how you're going to execute it versus the opposite spending all of the time figuring out how you're going to execute it and then making the marketing happen later too close to the event. Because the thing that happens too is once you plant the seed 
in yourself and then in your community that you want to do something like this, you start paying attention differently for conversations and you can then invite people and change the way that you might be speaking about it after you've actually made the marketing material. You can always refine it. All right. Be willing to throw a lot of darts at the dartboard. Some things that you do are going to stick and some things are not. It's just that simple. I mentioned one of the things earlier about variables changing, and this is could not be even more true. So let's say you do a special class, an event, a workshop, a party, whatever it is. The time of the year changes from October to March. People are in different mindsets in different times of the year. That's why whenever we check our books, we always want to compare like the same month one year to like March of 2020 to, you know, March of 2021, which we wouldn't compare that because COVID happened and everything went to shit. But I digress. Um, You can't compare the same exact event because again, people are different. Mindsets are different. The time outside is different. So right now we're at the beginning of fall and in one month, the clocks are going to change. So you can't compare necessarily the way that we would run something in October to running it in November. Another thing that I've done in the past is I had one workshop that I put on our schedule and it sold out. We were doing like this mala making workshop. And because it sold out, I was like, oh my gosh, it sold out so fast and it was so successful that maybe the next time we definitely should raise the price of it because we weren't able to actually have as many people as, or I should say, we could have made more money. That's just from a revenue standpoint. But I I raised the price and then I also changed the date and then I changed the time. I changed too many variables and then I think we had two people sign up the next time. And, And then I looked at that, it was as though it was a failure, but it actually was just something to learn from. I've put on so many different events that people don't see that weren't successful because I've tried so many different things. Um, It feels like I'm constantly falling forward and I've looked at that falling forward as an opportunity to learn and grow versus it being failing. All right, next one. Keep the focus on your vision, not other businesses' vision or the world's vision for you. When I first told some people I was opening a yoga studio in the Chicago suburbs, they responded with, aren't there enough already? And my response was, none that I want to go to. The same held true when I moved to Santa Barbara. And don't get me wrong, there is great yoga here, but the vision that I have for the space that I want to go into and the energy that I see and feel, it wasn't being created yet. And so when I close my eyes and I picture the energy and what it is that I want to have happen in every single class, I can still remember the first class that I ever took at Midwest Power Yoga in Appleton, Wisconsin. And so I keep looking at that vision. I can still see it right now. I can see myself sitting in the room. I can see what it felt like every time I walked in the door. I can smell this, the the smells of the room, um, the scent of the floor, the scent of the incense, even the mats. And I bring that up because that then gives me the place to put my attention on how I execute everything in my own studio. 
I'm not copying everything that they did there, but I'm just remembering the feelings that I had from all of those things being the way that they were. And then it helps me explain to my staff, this is why we do things. I'm able to then train and communicate, and it always aligns with that vision. What that also does is it gets me from ever comparing myself to what other businesses are doing, because frankly, I don't care what they're doing. It's They're not doing what I'm doing, and they're not doing in aligning with the vision that I have for mine. The same thing can go, and again, I'm using the word business interchangeably with family. We look to see what other families are doing. Fuck. Every person I know has their kids in several different activities, whether it's yoga classes, acro, soccer, dance, ballet, swimming. And it would stress me out to the max if I had to take my daughter out of school or right from school, out of the after school program, which she loves and makes the request every single day for me to pick her up as late as possible to take her to a soccer practice. And so I look at it as I'm like, you're winning because you're doing what you love over there. You love playing with your friends. I look back to when I was a kid and I did ice skate a lot when I was when I was young, but I also just remember my most fond memories was were playing at the park with my friends. It wasn't going to sports. And I turned in out to be a pretty exceptional athlete. So I have to remind myself not to compare what's happening on the other side of the street. All right. Learn how to do it all. Learn about what you want to do and then delegate. I'm going to give some major props to a book called Traction. The author is Gino Wickman. And then specifically the book that I am using this tool from is called The EOS Life. Okay. So when I opened my business both times, I wore every hat. I handled the bookkeeping, the finances. I wrote up contracts for staff, for memberships. I trained everyone. I got out the power tools to fix things. I wrote all the emails and I taught all the classes. The way I saw work was that if I knew how to do it, I was supposed to. If I had a job that needed to get done and I didn't know how to do it, I needed to learn. Don't spend money you don't have is the way that I was raised. And this was great as I opened the doors and got established. Um, But last year when I got back from my row, I shifted gears away from this model and it was a really big change for me that I'm very proud of. I made a list of every single thing that I needed to get done for the business to operate. Then I put them in a chart and this comes from the book. Top left corner, love doing it and great at doing it. Top right corner, like doing it and good at doing it. Bottom left corner, don't like doing it and good at doing it bottom right corner, don't like doing it and not good at doing it. The goal was to only be and to continuously being doing only the things that I'm great at doing and that I love doing. And first and foremost, to stop doing the things that I don't like and I'm not good at. Now, I've delegated almost everything off of my list that doesn't include things that I love doing. The one change that I will say that I made out of this chart um, or away from this chart is that I also do spend time on things that I'm not great at yet because I like to learn. Specifically, I'm not great at graphics and graphic designs, but I do enjoy them quite a bit. I'm not great at it, so it's a it can be sometimes a time suck, but I love to do it. It's really fun and artsy, and um, it gets me a little bit more creative. 
So this keeps changing as I evolve and I have fallen in love with how this is constantly changing as I change. Here we go. Last two lessons. Everyone wants to be invited. I want to be invited. You want to be invited. But it does not mean that we're necessarily going to say yes. Okay, so if left to my own devices, I often will stay home and alone. It's easier just to say I'm going to go on a hike and go out the door without having to coordinate a scheduled meeting time. It's easier to just get to the yoga class at the ultimate last second instead of planning my calendar out for the entire week. It's easier to just spend a lot of my day not having everything scheduled in my calendar and work on random projects. But before you know it, I'm not getting as much stuff done as I want. I'm not seeing a lot of my friends and I might have spent the entire day completely by myself without seeing anyone other than my husband and my daughter. I crave getting messages from friends and invitations essentially to do something. Whether it's, hey, I'm going to go walk my dog. Do you want to come with me? Or I'm going to grab a coffee right before or after class. Come meet me. I don't necessarily have, like I said, I don't necessarily have my day scheduled in such a way that I have that extra 30 minutes, but it feels so good to be invited and to know that I am at choice with how I spend my time and how I spend my workday. And if I get that last second random message from a friend that says, hey, you want to go for a walk or meet for coffee or meet me for yoga class? And I look at my watch and all of a sudden I'm like, heck yeah, I do. I can close my computer and run out the door. Now, of course, if I have meetings scheduled with other people, I'm not going to cancel plans, but it feels so good to be invited to know that there's someone else out there that's thinking of me and that thinking of me invitation. I really truly believe it's, they've already put the energy out there into me possibly even showing up. So the likelihood of me joining them is higher than if they never even asked. Of course it is because then the invitation wouldn't be out there. We're not meant to do life alone. So send the invitation and if they don't say yes, it's not personal. All right, last one and probably one of my favorites. Work to live, don't live to work. Recently, I saw a quote, something that I took a picture of actually a long, long time ago that said, never get so busy making a living that you forget to make a life. It took me years to shift out of the 40 hours of work per week mentality. I can still remember journaling in 2009. I was taking a life coaching certification course and we wrote down what we wanted our life to look like and feel like every day. It's not often that we do that. And most of the time we're conditioned to only see sort of as far as someone else has done it, or maybe our parents have done it. But I remember that I didn't want to count the hours that I worked. Instead, I wanted to make sure that I was and continue to live life the way that I want to. I never want to set an alarm clock. I do set an alarm clock a few days a week so that I can teach a 6 a.m. yoga class. When I get too stressed, worried, or overworked, I realize that it's because 
I'm personally not feeling worthy. I'm struggling with my confidence. I'm upset with my body image or something else is energetically off. When this happens, I notice that I have dropped something that's a practice that works for me. And so I have to check in and see, okay, let me look back over the last few days. What I, what have I, or have I not been doing that's been either helpful or call it harmful. And oftentimes if I look back, it just takes, it's not, you know, several weeks of getting off of the wagon of something, but just a few days. And that's when I decide that I'm going to re-engage with old practices, things that I know that have worked to help me feel better. So today, perfect example, I recognize, I'm like, I used to write every morning and I haven't been doing that. I've used to sit and not check my phone every morning. And I have not been doing that. So what did I do this morning? I lit my candle. I pulled an animal spirit card and I sat at my kitchen with my coffee and I wrote in my journal for a few pages, probably was 20 to 30 minutes. As I was writing the last sentence in my journal, I hear little sound of feet coming down the steps and I knew it was time to close. With that, I know that it seems for a lot of people that I can be a person that is very easily motivated, that it's easy for me to get out the door, that it's easy for me to engage in movement and exercise and you know things that are kind of keep me elevated. But this whole idea of not forgetting to create a life and making sure that I'm working so that I can live, that I'm not living to work is paramount. I feel like to my existence and what I hope that you take away from this episode, all of these things that I've shared, sure, they apply to entrepreneurship, but they also apply to you, your relationship with technology, with friends, with your computer, with your families. And I don't know, I hope that it helps you in running your life in a way that is of the utmost value to you and makes you feel the most alive. Thank you for listening. If what you heard today lit you up in any way, please take the time to subscribe, like, and share the podcast with your friends. It'll help us reach more people in courageously and confidently rocking life. Make sure you follow me on Instagram to see the messy fun I'm up to at the Adrian Smith. And check out my current wellness events and coaching programs on my website, alignedlivingnow.com. I look forward to being with you next week. Until then, get messy.